0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bliss is Ignorant Podcast. i um, Jay Bliss. And listen, uh, right now, man, I'm joined by one of the cats that uh, when I got started in comedy in 2005, um, I actually saw this cat on TV, and his style was different than anything that I had ever seen before and uh, became a fan instantly because of just the, his demeanor and the way he just brought his jokes across. Got a chance to meet this dude in person and consider him a, a friend within the industry, and I'm glad to have him on the podcast for the first time. Um, uh, my boy uh, Marunzio Vance was what, <laughs> was good, man. He's pointing right now as if I'm talking about <laughs> him, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? I thought
1: you were gonna have
0: me on the podcast. What the fuck happened? <laughs> nah, yeah, uh, the first time I saw you was um was Laugh-palooza. I saw you set on La- that was that was. That was 2007. Yeah, and I, would, I had been doing comedy for two years.
1: I did. Uh, I moved to LA in 2001. Uh huh. I used to do uh, comedy on 36th Street on Davison. Uh. Uh-huh. Uh. Barbara Carla. Uh. God, what was that lady's name? Barbara something, something. She used to do comedy at, uh, on on 36th Street, and then um, I tried to do. Comedy on Tuesdays at the Laugh fact, I mean, at the uh, Comedy Zone, but right, it's an urban room. Right, it was very, it was very black. Right, Nate Smith ran the room, and Nate Smith didn't think I was black enough for his room. <laughs> and then I think DS had a room. They used to have a room at uh, some hotel. CJ. Kind of yeah, he had at, a at the, the at, at the Adams Mark. Yeah, the Adams Mart. Yeah, ghetto as fuck. Yeah, but I persevered. I had moved to LA, came back, performed there. DC DS saw me. He was like, "Yo, come do these shows with me." Anytime somebody say, "Come do these shows with me," it ain't gonna be good, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Anytime somebody said, "Let me take you to this location where we doing comedy," it ain't gonna be good. It Ain't gonna <laughs> never be good. It, it don't. It never end well. Never. And um. Uh, I did some shows with him. Um, I did a show with Marcus Combs. Yeah. Uh, in some place in, uh, in North Carolina, it was just, it was hood, it was ghetto, it was awful, dude. Like, I've done some. So, so, let me ask
0: you this. So, you, you attempted comedy in North Carolina, and then you got pushback that you wasn't black enough in the places that you wanted to go.
1: I got pushed back that I wasn't black enough. I was at the time I I auditioned for Dev Comedy Jam in 1994. Okay. Oh, yeah. I uh, just turned 18. And uh Bob Sumner mm-hmm. was running it. Monique was a judge. Mm-hmm. Chris Thomas, the mayor, mm-hmm. he was hosting it. And the show started at nine. I didn't go on stage until 12:30. I looked like I was 12. My mom. It looked like my mom had dropped me off at the mall. And, getting- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I didn't know about comedy at the time. I didn't know I needed to, my outfit, needed to fit the, 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 the material. I didn't know that my, like just so many things go into comedy that you don't know. You learn it. Right. Man, I went on stage. I had a green Adidas, green Adidas shirt with a white Adidas letters some shorts, and I was a real big fan of the Adidas shoes that had the sock in it, the kind that you could, like, take right. the different color socks. I had a pair of those. I had a green one. I went on stage, and I looked like I was going to fucking camp, dog. I looked like I was going to camp for the <laughs> summer, and I was waiting on my daddy to get off work to take me to wherever I was going. But I was in that room, and I went on stage. I was number 20 out of 21. 21- Man, I didn't even know there was 21 Commons in Charlotte at the time. This is 1994. That's crazy. It ain't 21 Commons in Charlotte now. Not now. Not, not not quality. It wasn't quality then. Exactly.
0: But the fact that you had shorts on made me laugh already, because I'm trying to think the last time I seen a comedian on stage with shorts on. <laughs> I
1: ain't never wore shorts on stage ever again. You will never see my legs doing stand-up ever again when you see my legs. Some people don't know that. Like, some people don't know that that's a no-no. Like,
0: don't go on stage with shorts on. I won't wear shorts.
1: I won't wear... I won't even wear... It it takes a lot for me to wear a sweatsuit on stage, too. Like, But I've I've become comfortable with myself now when I'm on stage, when I'm performing. I can pretty much wear anything but shorts on stage and a kilt uh, (laughs) to do comedy in. But... I, I went on stage, man, and when I, when I say these people booed me, mm-hmm. they booed me like they had practiced that shit before they got to the club. They're like, so when this dude come on stage, make sure y'all really lean into him. We want to discourage this. We want to discourage this young nigga as much as we can. Can we please hurt his feelings? <laughs> and when I walked on stage, I was like, hey, they were like, Chris Thomas, this young comic uh, from he's from here. So put your hands together for Moranzi old man. And then he brought me on stage, and I, I made a joke about him. Cardinal rule: you don't fuck with the host. Not the host. I shit on the host. The crowd was like,
2: "Uh, uh-uh, uh, who the fuck
1: is he?" And then, <laughs> I said the niggas' lips looked like new edition. They were splitting up because they were though. Ah, then stop, man. <laughs> the joke wasn't bad. It was just I wasn't. I didn't have the permission to tell the joke. And the crowd was like, oh, who is he? And they were like, when your, uh, you, when your mama come to pick you up? Somebody said, when your mama come pick you up. Man, he had the floor after that.
0: Dude, you said that dude lips look like the new
1: edition because they were splitting up, dog. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> Chris Thomas looked look like that motherfucker had been eating uh, razor blade popsicles out this motherfucker. I was like, nigga. They ain't got no carmax, and nobody's car,
0: nobody got carmax. Oh my God, dude. That is that is funny as so. Your your like the fact that you went in early and got booed like that, and it didn't discourage you from going back on stage in it itself, lets me know because a lot of people can't deal with that. Like you told a story very similar to when I talked to Des White. Des White told me the first time he got on stage, he got introduced on stage by Steve Harvey. He did the same thing. He went in on Steve Harvey. And they booed him so
1: bad. I'm I'm jealous of him because I would love to go in on Steve Harvey. And he He went went back the next week, (laughs) with or without without here. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I uh, Bob, I got off stage. I got Uh booed. I got off stage. Bob, something the game in his car. I say, I don't know something about you. Everybody got a lisp in this story. Something about you. He gave me his car. He said, if you ever decide to do, you know, continue with it, hit me up. I told him, I said, I'm moving to L.A. He said, all right. He just did the nod like everybody do when you tell me you're moving. If you're in the South or some small town, like, all right, whatever, nigga, do what you're going to do. I'm (laughs) just letting you know. (laughs) Hit me up. He said, there's something about you. I said, all right, man. I went home. I went to sleep. I had a, let me tell you how bad my night was. I drank a Zima. Nobody (laughs) should drink a fucking Zima. (sighs) Nobody. Even the, it, Even poor white trans don't deserve to drink Zima. Nobody deserves Zima. Nobody. Not even Syrian refugees. I don't give a fuck how thirsty you are. You keep walking until you find water, but don't you dare drink no goddamn Zima. Not Zima, nah. I drank a Zima, and I went home, and I went to sleep. My mom came in the room the next day and was like, how did it go? I was like, ah. I don't give a damn about comedy no more. I'm going to college. Like I went to college. That's how bad they booed me. I was like, I'm going to college. <laughs> I had seen I it. Had... Look, I knew I wanted to go to college when school days came out, but this right here solidified it. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go get me some education. I'm gonna buy that building. I'm gonna kick everybody out. I'm gonna turn a to something. But it can't be comedy in that building no more. I always wanted to buy that spot where the comedy zone was when it was on Independence Boulevard. Yeah. And then I was happy they turned it into a fucking laser tag.
0: Yeah. So so <laughs> the crazy thing is I we went. So you you went went off
1: to school. Um, you went to A and T right? I went to Saint Augustine's College first because I did a play. <sighs> I did one of them. You know gospel plays were like everybody black and the bears, sweet of the Jews. Yeah. Uh, Dear God, send me a man. God, a man ain't waiting on me. It's every beauty shop, black shop, pawn shop. Right. Every fucking Negro gospel spiritual play that came through town. I was in one of those plays. I was in a play called Fat Justice. They spelled the P-H-A-T. They thought it was going to Oh. Out. <laughs> I did that play, and I thought, oh, I'm going to I'm do plays. I ain't going to college. So I didn't go to college right out of college. I went, I took a semester off to do the plays. Right. And then I was like, people weren't getting paid. Shows wasn't selling. People were sleeping with the people. I'm 18 years old. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I just wanted money so I could buy sneakers. Right. And they weren't paying me enough to buy sneakers. And I had done a show in Columbia, South Carolina, and and I left my Timberland boots behind. I was like, it's too much trauma going on. I left my boots behind. (laughs) So I left, went to St. Aug. And then when I, I did a I did St. Aug. I did radio in St. Aug. I did comedy there. Then I transferred to AT. and then when I got to a and I became a little more comfortable with the stand-up, and I ended up doing, like, homecoming comedy show, which was a big deal. Yeah. It's 6,000 6, people. Yes, sir. At A&T, coming yes, to see a comedy show? Yes, sir. Them people don't care about your feelings? mm So I had done a couple of talent shows around the campus and let people know hey i'm funny because i was going to school to be a theater major i'm funny i'm 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 gonna do comedy and stuff. and i put my name in to host the comedy show for homecoming and i got it nice man when i say i was not supposed to host it and i didn't host it everything happened for a reason (laughs) and i had props and shit ready to go on stage they would have booed the shit out of me they would have walked me they would walk me over to Spelman uh, or, or to Bennett College and said, "You go to Bennett now." Yeah, you don't go to ANC no more. <laughs> we're gonna see you, you some dresses and purses to match your outfits. You go to you go to Bennett now. Don't call us no more. That that's crazy. Cause
0: like I think back to when I was in college, and I never thought I was gonna be a stand up comedian. Like I I mean it. I love comedy, but I never thought that I would be a stand up comedian. When I first got to campus, I was a rapper. And okay. I was a rapper. And I was a dancer, and Ooh. people I need knew to, me. I need, just, I need to see that footage. I need to see that footage. I mean, I got footage, man. I was dancing in high school. Like it was crazy. Were you have like, in high school. High school. I was um I was dancing in high school. We was in this group called uh, Escape. E S S E A P. Everyone's really creative. Always performing excellent. That was that was like the name of our group. And you came up with a name. you. It was an acronym for something. Right. And here's the crazy part about it, uh, Moranzio. Um, the school gave us the school gave us uh, accreditation as a club, and we got privileged to be able to do stuff in the school that other people couldn't do because we would go to talent shows and perform, and we would. It got to the point where they wouldn't let us put, compete in any talent show in New Jersey. Like we had to be a special guest. So wow. our dancing routines were like – if America – if if, uh, if you think you could dance was out then, we I would have won. We
1: would have been on there too. We would have
0: been on there because we practiced every day. Regardless of what was going on, we practiced. We have a show, we still practice. That's all we did was practice dancing. That's all we did. We came to this one thing in New Jersey called the Teen Arts Festival, and we went out there and did a performance to the song Her from Guy. Okay. And we went out there and did this routine – and, like, two of them did, like, backflips, and we came out there, and we was doing this routine, we got done. And everybody, standing an ovation in the auditorium, everything.
1: Did you do a backflip?
0: No, I didn't. I do not do a backflip, no. No, no, no. I said two other you know guys did a backflip.
1: Yeah. What's crazy is, for my birthday every year, I do a backflip. I've seen you do a backflip on footage. I, I want people to know I am still limber and agile at my age. <laughs> Are and you
0: dance- worried are you worried that one day it's not going to come through?
1: <laughs> like your body. I, look, I feel like if I do a backflip and I don't succeed while I'm doing the backflip, I'm not going to survive. So you might as well just say that was my just last time. the <laughs> so, we, so we get done
0: with that routine and they bring us back in, like the, the coordinators bring us back in, and they break down our dance routine to the whole thing and was like, where do y'all perform? Like, what where, where, where school are y'all from? And we like, we practice in the living room. And they like, what? And they thought we were professional, like, we were, like, professional dancers. Like, we went to a school to learn how to do our dance. You
1: ever ride a train and perform for people?
0: Nah. We didn't do that nonsense. Y'all
1: left but, that money on the table. That's money yeah, y'all left.
0: We, we We really did, man. But, like, it was crazy because being young, we, would just, we just wanted the girls to scream. Right. We, wasn't, we wasn't in it to be like, oh, we can be choreographers or we can
1: be this, we can be that. I, I, I tell comics when I go on the road, you know, local comics will come to the shows to watch the shows, to gather information, to figure out what city they should move to. Like I'll go somewhere like um, Kansas City and the local comics will come. They're like, so what city should I move to? And I'm like, what what you think about doing it? I'm thinking about New York. And I'll tell them the pros and cons of New York. They say, I want to move to L.A. I tell them the pros and cons of L.A. I'm thinking about Chicago. I tell them, get a vest and then decide. (laughs) But I was like, you can also just do comedy anywhere. And then when you're ready, just go. But we also live in this world with the media and social media. You don't have to leave where you're from to be successful anymore. It's just a matter of how much you want to do. But they always ask me, like, so how do you get started? And. Yeah, when you're young and you featuring, I never hosted. I always went from really. I went from feature to headline. I didn't want to host. My energy is now host energy. Yeah, even though I used to host at the Laugh Factory every Sunday, it was still in my energy. Right. Like I'm a storyteller. Right. So it's hard for me to just go on stage and be like, "Look at you and your motherfucker." And ah, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to roast the audience. I don't talk. I don't want to talk to people when I'm not on stage. I'm not about to do it when I'm on stage. I'm talking at you right I'm having a conversation right say some stuff you want to laugh, I'm gonna go home End the transaction. yeah so I never really got into the host thing, but when you feature a lot of comments I know if you feature for the improv, they're supposed to pay the feature a hundred dollars per show right. You do five shows, that's $500. You do mm-hmm. six shows, 600 seven, and so forth. What they don't know is, as a feature, the club does not pay for you to fly in. Right. Depending on who you're working with, you may not get a hotel. You may have to stay in the comedy condo, where the, lo- the previous comic from you that was there the week before probably did god-awful things <laughs> in that comedy condo some female who was like this is the life Uh, you gotta order you gotta buy your own groceries you gotta find your own transportation to and from the airport you pay for your own flight so you'd be like yo I see you got a date three months from now can I do that date so I can buy the ticket now so it'll only be $75 right now versus you telling me a couple weeks before it and then the ticket is $300 right you don't want to turn the work down because you want to work. Right. You take the work, and you just hope you can hustle up, sell some T-shirts, make a copy of a bootleg comedy album that you got from some shows you've done together, the to piece together, and be like, these are the rough cuts or whatever. Right. The people know they buy. The people that are buying the shit know it ain't shit. But they like, I've had people tip me after a show. I did a show in Orlando, at the Orlando Improv.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: White guy, he was drunk, but he was also cognizant of the fact that he knew I didn't make any money. He gave me $20. He was like, I know you don't make no money. And I want to be like, you don't know what the fuck I make, but thank you. <laughs> like, like, I want to be like, don't count my money, but thank you, bitch. I was hungry. I ain't know how I was going to eat tonight. The kitchen's closed in the goddamn comedy club. <laughs> take my ass.
0: See, and the thing about it is people don't know this. Like, people think that we get a salary. Like, they think, like, oh, yeah, you making big money. And I go, nah, man. And it's like, if you don't love this, you're not going to want to keep doing this. My payment sometime on
1: the road has been sex. And what um, I mean by that, I'm talking about, like, you ain't have no good week because the money was bad, but it was somebody in that town that believed in you. was like, I'm going to give you some of my apple pie. <laughs> my apple pie. <laughs> and you we, be like. Yeah, we've been there, so too.
0: It, it's it's crazy. Um and at the first time I hit the stage, I, I just tried to explain to somebody that high that you get is nothing like anything I can explain. And my whole thing is any drug you take, uh, any, any alcohol you drink, it's not going to give you the feeling that you get from being on that stage. And the minute you feel it, it's like crap. You okay. won't want to do it again and you again and again.
1: You can't explain it to people. And it's like you know, I, a, a pet peeve is running the light. If we're working together for a weekend, yeah, I do an hour. Yeah, on top, I'm get I'm, the show's for me. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my hour in, and if mm-hmm. I want to take some extra, I will. But I try to make sure I do at least an hour. That way, you know, you get a, the staff time to empty the room out, turn the room over, get everybody in seat, so the show will start on time. I will try to be. Except for the first show. Like, if you're doing, like, you know, Thursday shows one show. Thursday show, I let everybody do whatever the fuck they want to do. Because the rest of the weekend is mine. Right. You want the host? Can I do 15? Do 15. Go crazy. Feature, (laughs) 25. Do it. Do it. But if you struggle, I tell them all. I'm I'm candid. I'm honest. If I see you struggling, I'm going to light you. Right. Right. I'm going to get you off. Because you're going to ruin my show. Yeah. (laughs) I don't give a fuck about you trying to have a perfect dismount. When that light come on, you got two to three minutes to wrap up whatever that bullshit you're doing that's made me say, let me light this motherfucker right now. Right. And I'm going to put my cape on, and I'm going to come out, and I'm going to save the day. Right. And then we're going to talk about it after the show. I'm like, look, this is why I lit you. Let's talk about it. Let's not have this problem anymore this week. Yes, sir. And then we move forward. Yes, sir. So, you know, the first show, the early shows on Friday and Saturday, we keep it tight. Yeah. The last, you know, the, the, the second show, I may go a little longer because I I'm I'm I, I try not to do the same thing. I try not to do the same set verbatim each show. Like if I do a show at, at seven, I don't try to do it verbatim like I did. Unless I'm recording. Yeah. Working on something. Right. But for the most part. It's not fun to me, one, to be formulaic. Two, when I write when I'm on stage so some, most of the time when I'm like in thought I'm like, I can say this. I'm going to say this. Change the punchline around. It, it, when you're writing a joke, all you have to do sometimes is just take a word out and put another word in and it just changes the entire joke. Right. right. So, substantially changes the entire joke. Turning your head one
0: way. Looking up, yeah. looking up, and you be amazed, like leaning forward. You be like, yo, that work, that worked way better than it did before. And then you try it again and go, why are they laughing when I look to the right when I do that? And it's just right. it's amazing to me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't
2: I got,
1: I got jokes I do that I'll say something in a joke, crowd be laughing, and I'll be I'm befuddled, like, why the fuck is that funny? Right. To you. Right. And I don't want to do it. I don't like to do nothing if I don't understand it. But I don't chase, Jay, I've never, I don't chase the laughter. I chase the uncomfortable moments that I make you face and make you be okay with it. The the joke that comes to mind
0: when you mention that, (laughs) It's something that I look forward to every time I see you, and you don't always do it. But when you talk about the analogy of the soda, <laughs> <laughs> let me Yo. tell you, this, man, that's the most uncomfortable shit. Like I just look at the back of the audience and I look at the uncomfortable squirms that women are going through at that moment, and I'm going,
1: yeah, that shit is ugly. Like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, you know what's funny though? It would be the same women that come up to me after the show and be like, "You didn't say nothing wrong."
0: No, no, it's so truthful. It's so truthful, but it's like, and 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 the part about it is, I mean, I've I, like I said, I've been a fan for a while. Like I listen to your podcast, I listen to, I read your your blogs, things like that. Um, and it's complex. A lot of people don't understand that there's a complexity behind some artists that you, you got a lot of things you're trying to say, but you can't get all that out in an hour. You understand what I'm saying? So I get it. You understand what I'm saying? But my whole thing is when you take an analogy, like the, the king of that was Patrice O'Neal. Like Patrice yeah. O'Neal could take the joke and, and make the analogy to make the person that doesn't agree with his premise at all to go, agree with- oh, shit, now I get it. Cause you can come out and say abortion and the person be like, oh, I ain't listening to this. And then he'll go, all right, let me tell you what it's like. And then you <laughs> get an analogy yeah. and go, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Fuck abortion. Like, like that's like the whole thing about yo, know, the, the, what we do and the, the soda bit is so uncomfortable Cause you like when you tell you tell the girl I want to get what's left. I be like, oh, oh, oh that's,
1: that's so bad. I, 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 I be, look, let let's be one hundred percent. You want to wait? <laughs> I want to be one hundred percent honest with a woman. <laughs> I'm forty four years old. Uh, if we go out to eat, uh, we go out to drink. You already know if you want to have sex with me or not. Yep. You just do. You making me wait for that is like what are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> it's not gonna get better by the time I see you. It's just what it is. <laughs> I just want whatever's left over. Like I know there's little to nothing left. Just give,
2: just give me something.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so it's so it's it's funny that the premise itself, every dude has been through it, but it's just like one of those things, the uncomfortableness of it. Um and like I do bits and sometimes I do a bit and I'll mention to the audience this is gonna get uncomfortable. Like <laughs> but I'll say the
1: plush line is worth it. You and better than me because I don't even give you a I'm not giving you a warning. Right, right, right. The warning is when you purchase the ticket. Right. And decided you want to come in this room and be locked in here with me. I I
0: do a joke. I do a joke right now. And the reason why I do it that way is because it punches harder than me just saying it, right? Mm -hmm. So I do a joke. And the the first joke I do is about gay marriage. And it's so uncomfortable. At the end of the punchline, I go, that was a tester joke. I was testing y'all to see where the room was. Y'all passed the test. Um, But I could go worse. But I'll leave it at this level. And somebody always yells out, go worse! And I go... What's your name? And then they'll say their name and I'll go, yeah. the next thing to come out of my mouth is your fault. I was like, I don't want nobody else to take the blame for it. It's it's this guy's fault.
1: That's 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 a that's a very um right. That's a funny strategic way. Right. And I take a drink. I'll, I'll
0: take a drink. I'll take a drink, put the drink down, the room is completely quiet, and I'll say Mexican pussy is the tightest pussy of all pussies, and the room go crazy. And I go, "Don't debate me on this shit." I did the research, and then like my right. the fuckers is this going crazy. <laughs> and then I go to this whole scenario why it is this way it is, and everybody's like, and you can see people with their head down, like, "What the fuck are we talking about?" You know, and it's just like it's a room turner.
1: I made people. I was, so the pandemic fucked up a lot for me this year, but it is what it is. I was supposed to shoot my hour special this year. Um, hmm. Bill Burr was going to produce it. Oh, I had a hope. I had ran the hour. I was happy with what I had done. We were going to shoot it like in November. It would have probably came out like next year, around you know uh, Black History Month or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. One of the jokes I did in it was uh, I said one of my one of my scary one of the scariest movies I've ever seen of all time. Gone Girl. Oh yeah. I said, "Gone Girls" is a scary movie. I said I was this close to dating white women until I saw this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And they was like, and I said, "Let me tell you what's scary about it." And I I tell people, for those who have never seen the movie, it's a movie. Ben Affleck marries this young chick. He grows tired of it, like we all do, and he meets a younger thing, like we all do. And he was like, "I want to be with that." His wife catches him cheating. Instead of her going up to him and saying, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Explain yourself or let's go get counseling or I'm leaving you. she was like, nah, I'm going to pretend I've been kidnapped. So he'll take the blame for it and he'll go to jail. (laughs) And then he went on TV and was like, I'm so sorry. I love you. Please come back. And she believed him. The bitch unkidnapped herself. (laughs) <laughs> drove home after she done killed somebody covered in blood and says, I'm back and Ben Affleck is like what the fuck are you bitch you're supposed to be dead what's going on he's like oh I can't I, I, that was, I was just fucking with you I'm back now he's like I'm gonna leave you and she's like no you won't he's like why not because America will thank you an asshole for leaving me we're a fucking feel good story I was gone I came back we reunited he's like Fuck that shit! I'll get rid of my Facebook account and Twitter for a couple of years and then repurpose. She like, well, then I'll tell the baby you hate it.
2: He was like, what, baby, bitch?
1: <laughs> He's like, don't worry about it. It's a baby, and if you if you leave me, I'll tell the baby you hate it. He was like, fuck. And that's what marriage is. <laughs> 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 <Man>. <laughs>
0: I take them on that journey. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's great. But I mean, so that the special—I mean—and and it'll get done. Um, was that through all all uh, all things comedy?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's dope. So man. All comedy, we, we talked to uh, Comedy Dynamics. Comedy Dynamics gave me an offer. Um, all Things Comedy made a better offer. I really want to do it. With, I really wanted to do it with HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, I look, man. I don't know what's gonna happen. With our business right now, right as far as what's going on, and and to mention what you said about the thing about Patrice O'Neill, uh, I worked with Patrice O'Neill. I used to feature for Patrice. Yeah, Patrice O'Neill is the only comedian besides Tony Rock that I and Paul Mooney. Yeah, that I enjoy. And Christopher Titus, I like Christopher Titus. Yeah, Titus is a beast. I worked with Christopher Titus. I featured for him a couple of times. Great fucking guy. Probably in the top ten best storytellers of our generation. He just don't get the credit for it. Right. But phenomenal storyteller. Unorthodox. Don't give a fuck style. I love it. But I featured I used to feature for Patrice. And we did a show at Fort Lauderdale Improv.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We got off stage one night we go to this 24 hour restaurant that's in the hotel. We sitting there, we order food and I'm looking at the menu and he's looking at the menu and he just like, ah, what's wrong? It's fucking, he had diabetes. So he like, I got to think about everything I got to eat. I can't eat this, I can't eat that. I'm just, I'm just sick of it. And he started riffing about diabetes. And then he just put it into the act. And then when you see uh, the elephant in the room, yeah. You see him talk about the diabetes, and there's this thing where I'm like, "Fuck, I was there when this became a thing." Yeah. And these people are like and enjoying it. I'm like, I was there. Yeah. When he was like, "This is what I want to talk about." Yeah. And we talked about it. I didn't. I don't think I've enjoyed working with anybody as far as learning that works for my style than working with Patrice. Right. I got off stage after her show one night in Fort Lauderdale. And <clears throat> he brings me in the room. He shuts the green room door. I'm thinking I'm about to get fired. Because that's what happens. Okay. Yeah. They'll put you in the room like, hey, man, nothing against you. It's just not working. I'm going to give you the rest of your money, get the fuck back on the plane. Thanks for trying. He shut the door. He said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? When you're on stage, what are you doing? I said, I'm just telling my joke. He said, but you know you're funny without trying to be funny. I said, what do you mean? He said, you do these long, deafening pauses because you want people to revel in your genius. Stop that. Just fucking tell the story. You ain't got to elaborate it. Just tell the story and make that story funny. And he was, when I say, Jay, he was dead serious. I mean in his face, but it was like, hey, I see something in you. You're going to fuck it up if you keep doing what you're doing, or you're not going to be what you want to be. This is how you should do it. And he he we talked about it, and it was the room was uncomfortable. To be disrespected or joked on or be mocked by Patrice O'Neill was an honor. Yeah. I don't care what nobody says. Fuck who your heroes are. Fuck who's famous. I don't give a fuck who the famous, most famous comic is right now. If you're in the room and Patrice O'Neill notices you and starts to fucking just poke at you, it's an honor because this dude can read you. Like, no, he's a fucking empathic, like, a psychic, like he just read you. And I was sitting there and I was quiet because my ego was bruised a little bit because I thought I was killing it. Yeah. And he's like, and hey, don't get all in your feelings. This is Don't get all in your feelings. This is for your own good. Just, just, it's nothing wrong. Go be funny. The second show, I made the adjustments. Like, Made the adjustments between the first show and the second show and did it. Patrice O'Neal is the only comic outside of Paul Mooney who would mm-hmm. sit in the back of the room and watch me perform. I got a fucking six foot five, three hundred-pound giant in the back of the room with a derby cap on, looking like a mobster, with a ring on his pinky finger. Like he just like he just right. <clears throat> That dude, and he just sitting in the back of the room. He just sitting back here like this. <laughs> he got that laugh.
2: Yeah.
1: When I hear him, I'm like, because I made the adjustments, and right. he saw. It. Right. And I, ne- I never changed from that moment. I've right. never. What year was that? Do you remember? 2009. 2009.
0: And then yeah. he fired me a couple of weeks later. Yeah. But the, but the thing
1: is, is the, the, the information was valuable, and he fired, he fired me because he was like, "You don't want to be a feature." He was like, "You don't so want to be." Everything a feature. was for your own good at that point. But I was mad because I was like, "Nigga, I need this work. I what want work. I want
0: that stage time." Exactly. It's that. like, it's like if 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 I could go, if I can be on the road for a year straight with a with a with a touring headliner. Knowing doggone well, I got the chops to be my own headliner, right? But I feel like it just gives me an opportunity just to hit the stage. It's practice for me. It's it's getting shots up. It's all of those things. But then some comedians look at it like, nah, man, you don't you don't need to do that. Like you need to go do you, and it's I, it's, it's painful because in this business nobody
1: gives a shit about you, and they don't care how funny feature, you think you are. I won't feature for anybody at a club. Okay. Yeah, I got or you. Like like Russell Peters I go out on the road with Russell Peters. Right. I go out on the road with Daniel Tosh. So those those are my two guys that if Daniel they need Daniel Tosh is another piece. When I say let me let me tell you something. It ain't about black, it ain't about white, it's about writing and that about and the
0: that dude goes so far into a joke. I'd be like, dude, like, I thought it was done. And you're like, you still going harder on this?
1: Daniel Tosh, friend or not, in my top 10 best joke writers of all time. Yeah. He takes a joke and he just, like, you, it, and he does it with this, this smug, sarcastic, like. And, and, and we'll fuss the audience out for them being a little,
0: off base about it, like yo, fuck y'all. like, like, like you bought the ticket. You
1: know what <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jim Jeffries, another yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> yes. I work with Jim Jeffries. Yeah. Jim Jeffries watched me in the back. Oh, yeah, you're fucking great, man. Fuck I, I was I did the I did the uh flat Soda bit. Right, 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 right. He saw that bit. Holy shit. <laughs> he had these tour dates lined up for this year. Damn. I was supposed to go on the road with... Damn. I was going to go work out my... Because when you, if you feature for somebody, listen to me feature comics. Get out your ego. Get out your feelings. Yeah. I'm telling you this for your own good. If you are featured for somebody... You have the ability to take risk because... It's the sweet spot, man. Ain't nobody there to see you. Not at all. All you got to do is be funny, but at the same time, take risk because the, the cleanup guy is coming. They're not even here to see you. If you win, great. If you bomb, you can be removed, but you try
0: something new. Do your brand new joke eight minutes in. Like, who gives a damn? You know what I'm saying? You got 10 minutes to recover from that bullshit. And the oh, thing about it. it is, it's like I tell people, I should when I go on stage as a feature, sometimes I feel like wearing a shirt to say added bonus. Like, like I <laughs> like okay, you, wait, right? you did not pay to see me, but when you leave, you'll be like, yo, who is Jay
1: Bliss? And i will be like, yo,
0: yo, my shirts is outside, y'all come check me out. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel yeah. about
1: it. You know what I mean? I never sold, I never sold merch when I featured. Mm-hmm. I was just I was not, I'm I don't sell merch. I don't really like to sell merch now because, and I think I get that from, I, I think it comes from a more of a, a pride thing for me. It's, it's a me thing. And Daniel <coughs> Tosh doesn't sell merch either. And I learned a lot from Tosh as far as business and, and, and like how to carry myself or whatever. So I don't really sell merch. But I'm telling you, dude, if you featuring, go out there, try your shit. I don't. I did Comic View in two thousand three. Okay. I had just moved to L.A. in two thousand one. Right. I was cocky about it. I was. I was. I was cocky and arrogant about it. And I probably. I know it's gonna sound crazy. I probably should have stayed in that same cockiness and arrogance. I probably would have been further along. But I tried to let these country, these city people tell this country kid he don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And I listened to the wrong people. Right. They came to me they were like, "Yo, you want to do Comic View?" And I was like, "Yeah." They were like, "You gotta, you gotta showcase." And I was like, "To do what? Comic View?" I was like, "No." I said, "I'm not showcasing." They were like, "Why you ain't why you not showcasing?" Because I know that if I do this motherfucking show, nigga, ain't nobody on that fucking set gonna do anything remotely like what I am doing. I am in a, I am in a, I am Tom Hanks. I'm in a league of my own out here <laughs> I'm not telling because it was during the time of Kobe Bryant doing the, the sexual allegation thing right, and there right. was some R. Kelly stuff going on so they were like no Kobe jokes no R. Kelly jokes and I was like I don't even talk about this shit you don't even have to worry about that but black comedy show 30 something black comics 40 something black comics everybody telling the same goddamn jokes everybody yep. got the same premise yep I and then I did my set. I Jay, I did the set without auditioning. They were like, We got you on comic view. I said, Cool. And I and a, a part of me was like, As you should, right? right? Right, right, I'm like, As you should, right? We getting dressed in the dressing rooms. Jay Anthony Brown hosted the year I did it. I'm this is a new world to me. I'm surrounded by all these comics I've seen on TV and Def Jam on Comic View previous years, and everybody got their motherfucking Sunday best outfit on. Like, these niggas, were, the niggas' outfits were better than their acts. <laughs> like, I was like, you put more into this outfit than you did your, ex. On your like, jokes, Right, right. I went out and bought me a green Atari t-shirt some red, re- uh, uh, some uh, green and yellow and white Reeboks that I still own because those my first shoes I wore on stage. And I had some guest jeans that Kevin Hart gave me because <laughs> he couldn't wear them because they were too long because they were, they were, he ain't got long legs. I wore that. I got to the place, they were like, oh, you can't wear the Atari symbol on the front. We don't have clearance for it. i was like, what do you want me to do? Oh. I had to flip my shirt inside out. Wow. I was so uncomfortable with my comic view said. With all that being said, comfortable, uncomfortable, and surrounded by all these dudes that's looking down at me like, man, what this little nigga doing here? Blah blah. Because nobody thinks you should be where you are when you're there if right. they feel like they're the dude. Or They're zero, that dude, whatever. right, right. I don't want to say the comic's name because I don't like this motherfucker. But one of the comics that was on the show was like, you ready? I was like, yeah, 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 I'm ready. I think I'm thinking about doing a new joke. He's like, today? I said, yeah. He said, what's the joke? I said, well, I just found out I got to play. This is 2001, so don't want nobody, like, trying to come for me. 2002, 2003. I got to pay $200 in child support for my daughter. And I was like, but I only make $180. I said I had to borrow $20 from my daughter's mother to add to the $180 so she could have $200. I just told her I'd pay her back. And that was my opening joke. (laughs) (laughs) And I I stuck the landing on it. because... I didn't tell the joke, like, all right, let me try this new joke on y'all. I just went out and said, y'all was like, yeah, man, I got some bad news today. I found out I got to pay $200 in for support, but uh, I only make 180 so I had to call my daughter's mother, ask her to borrow $20 to pay her Right. $200. Right. The crowd died laughing. Of course, women. I'm not going to say what complexion. Just women we like, yeah, they pay two hundred dollars and yeah. right, right, right. I want to be like, bitch is a joke. Get out of your feelings. You fuck that dude, not me. You do flat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you mad at the wrong person. Enjoy this rhythm I'm giving you. Right, right. I did I did comic view, man. I tried a new joke at the at the opening. At the very beginning. That's that's ballsy, man. Listen to me. Never had said the words before. I just sat in my dressing room with my pad and my pen. I was like, because I was bored. You had all these other comedies, everybody hanging out. Niggas from St. Louis knew each other, Chicago comedy. Everybody just like commiserating. Right. Guys talking. I ain't had no stories to tell. I've only been doing comedy professionally for two years. I'm sitting in my dressing room. I'm just writing. I tried that joke. I did. Ten minute set. They aired it. You know come like comic View back in the day they used to do their theme nights where they like all oh, funeral home jokes, all church jokes, all you ever been so poor jokes. I had none of that shit in my act. Because it's not the it's not the typical black jokes. So so yeah, so your airtime was what? You wanna hear something crazy? What's that? I've never fully seen my whole set. And
0: that's the thing. I think that year was the year they just was doing clips. I don't ever think they were showing...
1: No, they did them. Before episodes? Here's the crazy part. I didn't have a cable when when comedy... I didn't have a cable when I was on TV. (laughs) And I don't think people understand it, Jay. As comics, we don't don't got it like you think we got it. We just trying to survive until the we get invited to the the big game or something but i've done tv 3 times and not seen it because i didn't have fucking cable <laughs> i did showtime at the apollo in 2007 right i've never seen it right i just know it was out there but i killed they called me they said yo you want to do you want to do the, the apollo Butterflies immediately just in my stomach, right. like right
0: because we, we think back,
1: that. we think back to watching that, right? All I think about when I watch, uh, when I think about the show, Tommy Apollo is the black woman who's standing in the front with the Jerry curl. The either, yep. either she will root for you or she was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like that yep. woman decided your fate. Yes, absolutely. So when they said, "Yo, you want to do Apollo?" I was like, uh. Uh yeah, cuz you don't want to turn down nah. You can't turn down work. No. You it's almost like you can't turn down work. I said sure. Well, it, not today, but the next day we want you to take. We saw you at Carolines with Paul Mooney, we thought you were funny. Just come on down, put together a set. Just put together a set? Yeah, just put together yeah. a set. Wow. They didn't run me. They didn't say, let's see the set or nothing. Just show up, be funny. That's when I thought, was, this is a nigga production. Right. <laughs> you just don't tell a comic, show up. Right. And be funny. Right. When and found me an outfit at The Gap on 36th Street. Got my hair cut. I bought some Nikes. My whole thing was always buy new shoes when I performed. Right. Bought me an outfit, put it together. They sent a, they sent a town car to come pick me up. I was standing in the Bronx at the time, and as I'm, I'm, I'm coming up to the Apollo, Jay, I swear to God, as I'm pulling up to Apollo, I guess these kids had just performed. Yeah. Came One of the kids came running out of the building. He was cr- This nigga was crying. Running down the street in a cream suit. Right. Like, I don't even know where he was going. He was just upset and distraught. He just running. He's right. still running. Now, to this day, this nigga is still running. Because <laughs> nobody went to go get him. They were like, the guy at the PA was like, yeah, he just took off running. And I'm like, what the? F- what happened? He just got booed. But you'll be great. What? Wow. Finesse Mitchell is my friend. Okay. He's my friend. Yeah. But I get to the club. I get to the, the showtime and uh, they showed me my dressing room, and they was like, Finesse did it yesterday, and he got booed. But I saw you. You're funny. You'll be OK. And I was like, you can't tell me somebody who's established who just got booed. Yeah. And then tell me, I'm going to be OK. What? That's like somebody say, uh, Rick Bo fought Tyson yesterday. Tyson knocked him the fuck out. <laughs> but you will going to be great. You got a chance with Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't have a chance with Mike Tyson. He's just not. <laughs> He just knocked out a nigga to eat trucks for a living. What are you talking about? Right. I'm sitting in my dressing room. I go through the process that I normally go through again. And Jay, I write a new joke. Again. Because I'm retarded, dog. And I don't give a fuck. I don't care how people receive that word. I am mentally fucked up to the level where I should have a helmet and a goddamn A team lunchbox. <laughs> Sitting in the room waiting on my mom to come pick me up wherever <laughs> I am. So, what happened with this one? I go out on stage and talent is hosting. Right. Yeah, yeah. Put your hands together for the <laughs> <your, your band. laughs> God, I hated that. And I come out on stage. I didn't rub the rock or nothing. And I was like, I don't need a look. Went out on stage. How's everybody doing? And the crowd like, what up? motherfucker?" You know the crowd. Yeah. And then I hear this voice come up. Oh, Maranzio? Yeah. We got to start over. Something happened. Technical difficulty. I'm like, what? Wow. So as I'm walking back, the microphone is still on. The crowd can hear me. So I'm talking. I'm telling jokes. I'm like, what do you mean the microphone messed up? You know how much courage it took me to walk out in front of <laughs> Brutally honest. Don't give a fuck about my dreams, audience. <laughs> and now they gotta pretend they haven't seen somebody that they already planned on blowing blue- before he came out. Oh, crowds dying laughing. Oh, dying laughing. And I'm talking about just pretend. Please, just pretend you're excited to see me when I come out. <laughs> Put your hands together for <laughs> run to your van. <laughs> I walk out on stage. The crowd laughing, but they're also clapping. I'm like, because I'm doing the face like, just, just fucking Go ten. along, right. They laughing. I said, what up, everybody? How y'all doing? It's a pleasure to be here tonight. Uh, I'm originally from North Carolina. Some people like, yeah. Some people are like, ooh, whatever. I said, but I currently live in Brooklyn. and I live in the Bronx. And... Uh, I feel like I'm connected to all the boroughs because I live in the Bronx. I perform in Manhattan. I've been robbed in Queens, and I get my food in Brooklyn. So I, like, shout out <laughs> all the boroughs. Everybody's dying laughing. Everybody, after, that, I'll, after that, I got that <laughs> I feel like i am like I've been robbed in Queens, get my food in Brooklyn, I live in the Bronx, I fucking, you know, I buy my shoes in Harlem. I'm, like, I'm just shouting out all the boroughs because I'm going right. everybody else regional material, but I needed to do it to win in that crowd. Yeah. I didn't look like I should have been on that stage. I still look young and... Right. Black people, if they don't know where you're from, then you don't exist. They ain't rocking with you. Right, right, right. It's crazy, like, the
0: the, the energy of a, of a black room and sometimes how you got to present yourself to even go out on that stage and it's like, you're right. They don't give a fuck about you. But you got to connect with them fast. Like, you got to connect with them immediately. There's no waiting. There ain't no cuteness to it. It's like, you got to connect quick.
1: I learned hard, man, because you've been to L.A. before, right? Yeah. So, Mo' Better Mondays is the official black night out here for comedy. Mm-hmm. D-Ray Davis hosts this guy named Spike, uh, used to Run the room or whatever it's a hood room but it's an yeah. improv so it has a little bit of class but also it's like it can get, get real niggerish real quick right 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 look it was it a go to room celebrities ludicrous shack I met I performed there one night Paul McCartney's in the back of the room I'm talking about the Beatles Paul McCartney in the back of the room. This is like two years ago. I get off stage and I walk to the back of the club right. and I see Paul McCartney. And he's like, I fucking love your set. Oh my God. It, it just, right? I'm like, I'm 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 confused. There's a lot going on right now. Right. One, I just I just did well on urban black nigga night. But <laughs> I'm getting complimented by a Beatle. Right. Who has more money, right? Than I'll probably ever see in my life, right? Taking my hand, talking to me, telling me I'm good at something, and I'm still trying to figure out why is one of the whitest people in the world in the blackest room in America. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to cut my teeth in the in the urban rooms, like more Better Mondays. Yeah. Uh, the the rooms in Charlotte that were hood rooms, like yeah. Birdman recipes. Birdman used to do a show. Yeah, yeah. Nick Lewis used to do a show. Mm-hmm. Nick Lewis used to have a joke, dog. That I was like, he would do this joke. I was like, I'm not even performing. Right. He did a joke about putting doodle on his forehead or something, and it was just the way it, it was. The way he ended up at the the punchline of that joke. Mm-hmm. He used to Nick Lewis used to have me in tears, dude. Right. Like, is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. He's still doing
0: comedy. I tell all young comedians in Charlotte, they always say, um, how do you know when you a comedian or how do you know when you when you've made it as a comedian? I was like, first of all, if you live in Charlotte and Nick Lewis don't owe you money, you ain't no comedian. I was I like, us, uh, <laughs> so I was like, You ain't no Nick movie. will book you for a show and not pay you, like you uh, <laughs> and you drove, That's right? Right? <laughs> <It's
1: like laughs> oh, nigga, so I, ain't, I don't get no gas money, and I didn't get paid. Man, they ain't even make. They said they didn't even make their cover. What yeah.
0: you mean they make their cover? If, yeah, if you don't, if you, if Nick Lewis don't owe you money, you ain't no comedian, y'all. So, um, yeah, Nick is still around, and. um I remember uh, early on, like when I first, like I said, I started in 2005 and like my mentors was like, like Tone X and Chris Funnyman Robinson and, and, um, DS and, you know, cats like that. Cause Chris would give me time. Like no matter when I showed up, he would say, you got time. So his room at the time was Scandalous, uh, Big Chill it. and then Scandalous, And that was the urban room in Charlotte. So that's where I would go do my time. I would cut my teeth in that room and then I go to the comedy zone and, if It worked in the urban room, it was gonna work in the mainstream room. You know what I'm saying? So that was like like people that I was like around, like um you see who else was it? David L and D Cameron and cats like that. Like they were all be like in my ear telling me, you you'll know any of those guys. D Cameron, rest in peace, but D Cameron was a clean comic man. But that dude was so funny. He was originally from Ohio, but he had moved to Charlotte. And um
1: I never, he was got, just, embraced. I never got embraced by uh I never got embraced by the comedy scene in Charlotte. Period. It's to a shame honest. too. It's a shame too because I feel like
0: even though you don't live here, I feel like anybody that's in Charlotte, like the, the scene
1: in Charlotte, is not a friendly one. It's like not, you, and it, and it, people people always ask me like, why don't you come home to Charlotte and perform one? It's like it's not that I don't want to. Right. The Comedy Zone does not fucking acknowledge me. Mm-hmm. They would not give me a full weekend for – dude, it's comics that don't even – that hate Charlotte, but they will come there to get money that they would give opportunities to. And I'll check in. I'll be like, yo, so, so-and-so came this week. Right. Is a crowd? No. I ain't never not had people come out to my show. I'm from Charlotte. I went to, I went to Wesley Hills Elementary School. I went to Elizabeth Elementary School. I went to Cochrane. I went to Coolwood. I went to West Charlotte. I've covered enough ground. I went to NYSP program, John C. Smith for mm-hmm. several years. Mm-hmm. I know enough people to where if I say I'm doing a show, people are going to come out. Yeah. And right. they just, for whatever, what if they, for, I, I, but I guess I didn't come up in a comedy camp or whatever the fuck they got going on, Listen. they will not give me a full fucking weekend. And I, I featured
0: I would have to be a I would have to be a viral video five million person following type person on social media before I got a weekend at the comedy zone. And no they know I'm capable of doing it, but they won't they won't give it to me.
1: They give you an off weekend, they'll give you some shit where everybody did or out of town or some New shit. Years, like, the weekend after New Year's or something, or the weekend, weekend after Christmas, after the weekend after, Christmas. after After Thanksgiving or something, or yeah. Black Friday when they know everybody gonna be shopping, they just yeah. need somebody to fill a void. But it's like, I I never understood it. I did, def, I did uh last standing. They didn't embrace me. You've done you've done night shows like you've done like what Conan and and I did. Uh, I did Carson Daily Show when he Carson was Daly. relevant. Okay. I did Tonight Show. I did Byron Allen's bullshit show that I still get these nineteen dollars residual checks from. Right. Um, I have a half hour on Comedy Central. Like I've done. Right. I've been on Netflix. I I was on a TV show as a lead
0: for two years. Last last comment standing, you was on Lopez. And all of these things, I mean, you did TV commercials. I had two national
1: TV commercials running (laughs) during football season. And they would not give me fucking work. And then people would email me, text me, send me messages, Facebook. Why won't you come home? And then people were thinking that I was ashamed or did not want to come back home to perform. And it's like, it's not that. But at some point I got to just say, it's not me. I'm not about to beg anybody to do something that I know I'm good at. I've been to Cleveland, Ohio, more than I performed in Charlotte. Dude, trust me. I I got more love let me tell you a room that
0: that got, I get more love out of than any other room I do comedy in and I only been there twice is the St. Louis Funny Bone. I'm not from St. Louis. I don't know nobody in St. Louis. You, know, you hail the whole weekend? Now? The whole weekend. Now let me tell you how this happened. Is I mean, that a good room? Is that a good I, room? Yes. And they don't sell food. They do only do alcohol. So Is it a hood? Is it a hood room though? No. No, not at all. So I, I, I did the Omaha um, Funny Bone with John Morgan, and the host works at the St. Louis Funny Bone. So we did the whole
1: weekend. And he said – John Morgan funny?
0: I've never seen John Morgan. Yeah, man. John Morgan is funny, man. John Morgan, a regular education, is a funny dude, man. That dude can I do an urban him. room. He can do an urban room and a ma- mainstream room the same way.
1: I used to see his name on the lineups of the – lab. I mean, on, 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 like, the Funny Bones the Improv. But I never seen him do television or nothing like that. And I'll tell you why he continues to get work.
0: That's the nicest man you ever gonna meet in your life. This dude is friends with everybody. And not only when he goes to the shows, when he get there on Sunday, he goes and cooks something
1: and he brings it back for the staff. Now, what I do do now, as a headliner, mm-hmm. I tip. Yeah. I ask for the same green. I ask for the same person to work the green room all weekend long. Yep. So Y'all ain't got to like find motherfuckers and disperse it. Yep. Whoever the green one person is, I tip them for the whole weekend. I go and buy something for the staff. Either I buy that? Like, pizza, yep. donuts, fried chicken, whatever they want that's locally, that's not That's served by the club. Yep. I'll buy that, bring it to the club, say eat that. Yep. And because I can't, I don't make enough money to right. tip the whole thing out. You know right. what I mean? Right. But you take care of the staff because the staff determines sometimes whether or not you come back, and people don't know that. Marazio, I do that as a feature.
0: You got to, though. I do. Because people, when I go back to places, they be like, yo, Bliss, what's good,
1: man? You got a shirt for me? I go, yeah, man, what's good? You know what I mean? And I do candy. Like, when I was featuring, I'll buy candy, like, yeah. like get a bowl of candy and just give it to them. Just say, hey, I know y'all working. Knock yourself out. Like, that's all I got. That's all I got. Yep. You, know, you, you know how much money I'm making. Yep. I'm staying in the comedy condo. Somebody nutted in the mayonnaise. I am not. <laughs> right. Everybody.
0: Well, that mustard. Yeah, don't touch that stuff. Don't Ooh. touch the condiments, bro. <laughs> Dear
1: comedians, if you stand in the comedy condo, do not eat the condiments. <laughs> Leave them condiments alone, man. I'm going to tell you that, that right now. Listen to me. You'll fuck around and eat some. Eat a features. Feature. <laughs> <laughs> a feature speech <laughs> <feature. laughs> so i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you
0: when i got to charlotte in 91 that's when i okay. got to charlotte i got to charlotte in 91 uh when i went to john c smith and uh i remember i remember how i laughed at charlotte like when i first got there cuz i was from you know jersey i was near philadelphia and i was like man this ain't even a regular city it's not nice. but, but i fell in love with it man like mm-hmm. immediately Hold on, sorry. All right,
1: no right. problem. Yeah. Go ahead. My, I, that's, I, my, that's, my, that's my manager that don't manage nothing. Go ahead. Okay. I fell in love with it immediately. Like,
0: I was like, yo, this is like a dope spot. I remember the first place I went to was Freedom Mall. Like, this is the first place I went to. It was like Freedom Mall. I remember going to the uh, record store there. Like, I was like, in that joint. And I, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I was in that joint. And um, I just remember. Just, like, just being from Jersey and then being in Charlotte for me was, like, was dope for me because I, I saw it grow. Like, I saw the growth right. of, of the city or whatever. And then, like, I hear some of the stories you tell about Charlotte and you going to West Charlotte and stuff like that. And I just always remember... Just, like, talking to people. Because to me, going to a black school, going to HBCU did a lot for me because I felt like I knew black people until I went to an HBCU. Right. And I was like, oh, nah, I don't know black people like I thought I
1: did. You know what I mean? Because you got all walks of life yeah. of black people at an HBCU. Yeah. I used, to live, I used to live around the corner from Freedom Mall. Right. My family lived on McKinley Drive, like, near Hardin High School. hmm And I was not going to Hardin. Fuck that! I was not going to Hardin. My mom went to West Charlotte. My dad went to West Charlotte. So I was like, I'm going to West Charlotte. And right. at the time, West Charlotte was the best high school in '94, '92, '93. We were the, we were the school. We won all the football games, the basketball, or whatever. Right. But if I can be honest, Jay, I ain't had no fucking school spirit. I didn't give a fuck about a lion. I think I hated everybody in high school. They were they fucking mean. You had the you had the A-list kids who who were famous because either they played a sport or they were attracted or their family had money. Or you had the B-list kids who knew the A-list kids. And, then, <laughs> and you had the C-list kids, and they were like, man, just get in where we whatever's left over, that's what we'll get. Right. I knew B I knew A-list people, but I didn't like any of the A-list people. Right. I didn't like the politics of—I didn't like the politics of high school. The people they thought attractive, I didn't think they were as attractive as they—they they hyped them up to be. I was like, yeah. "I've seen better." Right, right. I'm in high school, like I've seen better. Right, but right. No one values my opinion. Right. Um, you know what's interesting about you? You have posters of yourself on your wall. That's uh, that's uh, basically uh.
0: I was doing podcasts, and I was doing broadcasts, and then I realized everybody else had stuff in their background, and I'm a was with a blank wall, right? So I was like, yo, this don't look bad. So I've gotten mixed reviews on both of them. I got people to say, oh, that's dope. And then I got people to say, yeah, that's
1: stupid. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have – and I think for me, because we both have kids, and yeah, you know the headache of being a dream chaser and – someone not supporting that or yourself right. because you want to go off and do something that makes you fucking happy or something that you feel like you're called to do. And if you do it, you're a terrible person because I want you to stay at home. And man, I worked, listen, man, when I left LA, when I left for LA in 2001, mm-hmm. I didn't want to. Yeah. I, I didn't want to leave my daughter. Right. I knew I wasn't going to make it in Charlotte. In I, Charlotte? Knew, I knew knew. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. I wouldn't have became what I wanted had I stayed. Like nothing has, that's happened to me, the good and the bad, would have happened to me if I had stayed in Charlotte. Yeah, I was working at the goddamn health department on Billingsley Road, <laughs> registering Hispanic people. That's right, there the Social Security office and food stamps. That's yeah. what I was doing, and yeah. I didn't even fucking speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a part-time job working at fucking Best Buy in the evening. And I was, I when not say miserable. Yeah. I was so miserable because I was like, this is not life. I am not supposed to be working this hard every fucking day. Right. Just to go home and be tired. Right. And turn on my TV and watch somebody doing something that I know I can fucking do. Right. Right, 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 right. Anybody can register a motherfucker for a Pap smear and fucking food stamps. Right. That's not a. That's a job. That's not a career. Right. You don't retire from fucking. Next. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I know exactly what that Blundell Road joint is because I go over there for my mom all the time. <laughs> like I hate that joint. I, I used to work there. I, I would be late. I had a manager. Her name was Lynn. She knew I wasn't supposed to be there. Right. She knew it. I, when I, so I told her I'm moving to L.A. I was saving my money. Jay, I moved to L.A. with five thousand dollars. That's all, all I had. All, all I had. Five
0: How long that last, bro?
1: I when I say milked it, I'm yeah. talking about. Right, right. Cause, cause there ain't no splurging. I, but this is 2001 though. So I went right after 9/11. 9 11 happened. I left in October. Yeah. Gas, gas hadn't gone up to fucking $3,000. Right. Before that. Like I had, right. a, I had money mapped out, how long they would take and everything. I got to LA, man. I got me a studio apartment. It cost me $525 a month. Mm-hmm. I had never lived by myself. Right. And two other people rode out there with me that would later would get their own place. I had a studio apartment. I paid five twenty-five. I bought a Honda Accord for five hundred dollars off a Craigslist. A stick shift. The reason why the guy sold it to me for that much because out in L.A. you had to get your car smogged for emissions. The car was not able to be smogged, and it was a nigga. I'm driving a stick shift in L.A. That's the worst, bro. All that traffic. <laughs> I never got out of third gear anywhere. <laughs> I bought that car, I got my apartment, and I just made my rounds of going to comedy clubs and meeting people. It was so when I say it was foreign to me, dude, trying to find a job. Cause you knew where to find a job in yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. You knew where to work. You knew how to get back and forth to work. Right. You had a support group, you had your family yeah, there unless you know family. somebody that knows
0: somebody or something
1: yeah I knew no i i grew I grew up as a human being in l a right I was twenty four when I moved out here. I grew up out here right. I learned about life out here right I don't think I would ever I don't think I would change what I did yeah at the same time it's at the same time i fucking hate what i do for a little bit. i hear what you're saying
0: but i feel like what you're writing uh whether it be comedy or whether you're doing the blogs at a book that you're writing right now i feel like all of it will come together you know what i mean like I believe that. It's like, just like, right when, like, for instance, it. like, like you, we, we talk about comedy. Like I know you from comedy. So comedy is like, I feel like that's always going to be the thing, but you got so many other things that you, that you do. You see right. what I'm saying? And when I tell people all the time that I should go to LA and I, we just had this conversation. Like I just had this conversation with uh, another broadcast. I do called comedians chopping it up. And we bought all everybody on the broadcast. said the same thing. If you go to LA and all you do is comedy, bring your ass back home. Like you gotta do other hey, stuff. There's no you got- way. You can go out there and just
1: do comedy. I wrote on I wrote on the Boondocks. Right. I wrote on the reboot for In Living Color, even though it didn't air. Right. Um, I've written for little things here and there. Like you gotta have more than one hustle.
0: Talk about writing, talk about the writing thing. Like when you get into writing rooms, like what's the dynamic like for somebody that's never been in anything like that? Is the dynamic, you come in with the premise written out and everybody chops on it and workshops it, or is it? Uh,
1: The last experience I had, uh, I do this show called Sugar and Toys. that comes on Fuse Network. Okay. Uh, Carl Jones and Brian Ash do it. They were also from the Boondocks. They hired me to do writing on it. So the room is like this. Most rooms, one long table. Yeah. Everybody got to have a laptop. You got to have a laptop, Uh, whatever vice of your choice that keeps you awake, you got to stay awake. Right. And, you know, we got whiteboards all around. And then the head writers will sometimes say, oh, we want to do a joke about this, or we want to make a joke about this. Where's the joke? And they'll throw that up against the wall, and then you'll look at it, and you'll come up with some ideas. Or they'll assign stuff to you and say, yo, we want to do a bit about this person. What do you think? I want to do a bit about this person. What do you think? And then they'll say, go away, come back with some ideas, and then we'll toss some shit up against the wall. And then we just literally brainstorm on what will work. That's – we'll, wow. And then we'll assign it to different people. Like, okay, Moranzio, you're going to write the sketch for this. Or so-and-so, you're going to write the sketch for this. Or you're going to write the sketch for this. Or you got people in the room that punch up a sketch. They're like, yo, right. can you put up the jokes to make this funny? Can right. you figure out how to make this angle work or whatever? And that's the life, dude. But it's all day,
0: nigga. I get, I get it. And that's the part that, to me, like, I, I, understand, I understand how hard it is for me to just sit down and start writing my own stuff. So to actually try to do that all day long, I don't think
1: Eight. I could. Nine to seven. Yeah. Nine in the morning to seven in the afternoon. And then as a comic... I'm like, well, when I get here, I'm gonna try to find a mic to go jump on, just so I can still feel like I'm a comic, right? Because when you what the, what the industry does, what Hollywood does is, they'll put you behind a desk, and you will never come from behind that bitch ever again. Yeah, because yeah. the money, the money will be, the money will be too good. Right. And you don't when, when the money gets good, you start living a certain lifestyle that you can't come back from. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you eat duck, if you eat duck every day because you got this nice show, you don't go, you don't go back to chicken. Yeah. So, duck.
0: if you are working on a writing staff and you got a gig, do you are you are you just balanced? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, if I have like like comedy club dates around the town, I like but yo, I'm on my job, I can't come. Right, but somebody.
0: if they, you had to do Cleveland or something,
1: I'm doing, I, I did, I, I take my half hour for Comedy Central in 2012. One of the worst experiences of my life because I was writing on a living color at the time and Keenan didn't want to let me go to fucking take my shit. Yeah. And I was like, are you really going to make me decide between whether or not I'm going to go take my special or write for a show that may or may not air? I was like, you can't do that to me because I'd already booked this before I booked the job. I had booked the half hour before I booked the job. He told me I had 48 hours to go to Boston, fly to Boston, perform my half hour, and get back to write on the show that never aired. It never I do, I didn't get to hang out with the comments and rejoice and celebrate our accomplishment. I'm doing 30 minutes of I did for my half hour I did 40 minutes they cut it down to like 28
0: 22,
1: 28, something, like 22 something like that yeah have, okay. yeah but I did 40 I did like 45 minutes That's
0: that's I, that's 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 dope man um and it's funny you you mentioned it earlier about uh writing a new joke before you got on stage or first time you got on TV um and, I, and now that I think about it, <laughs> I did the same thing. And I just I just realized it when you said it. Because my first TV appearance was on the Circle Network uh, okay. and for the Stand Up Live Nashville that just aired in 2019. And okay. when I got on stage, the first thing I said, and I, I didn't even write it, I just said it. I got on stage and I said, all right, y'all, before I get started, I'm not Darius Rucker, so don't ask. Me. And it was, and the crowd just went into this laughter. And after Oof. the you played to your, your strength in the environment that you were in. I was in Nashville. And the thing about it was I got done. And the, lady, the guy came out and was like, man, I had just told my wife, where you're going to stay, he's like, that's Darius Rucker. And I was like, I, said, I, get that, I get it no matter where I go, any white club I go to, I get people come up and go, you know you look like. And I go, I don't want to hear that shit. I, went, I did the Bahamas one time, and the lady stopped me in the lobby of the Bahamas and was like, can I take a picture with, with you for my, my husband? And I was like, for why? She was like... <laughs> You Darius Rucker, right? I'm like, nah, I'm the comedian on the both there. Was, like, yeah. was like, can I take a picture anyway? I was like, this
1: hell. I don't look like him now, but when I first started, people thought I was Tommy Davidson. You know what,
0: man? It's funny. Um, that's funny that you say that because mannerism
1: wise, I can see that in your younger in your younger days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I used to, I used to end my sets with like, uh. Thank y'all for coming out. If you enjoyed me, I'm Ronzi Evans. If not, I'm Tommy Davidson. Right. Have I, like, I hate it, but I did. Jay, I did. A, Jay. Every time I've done television, I've opened up with a joke I've never done. That's that's a
0: good way to that's a good way to be, man. I think uh, I think it, it shows the the guts of uh, of what we do, and the fact I, that you have confidence in your in your ability to be able to deliver it.
1: I posted my Tonight Show performance last week. I, I saw that, watched, man. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched it in. I haven't watched it in like probably Dude, eight years. It was smart as hell. Like it was brilliant, man. Like, opening like the- was, that opening joke when I came out and said, "Well, I didn't have anything else planned once I got here." Right. I just, if I get here, I, I've done it. I just said that. I was like, when you when you did the joke about um
0: you didn't have enough money to, to ruin your life. <laughs> you didn't, I didn't know I had to save up money to throw my life away. Yo, so I, was I like, think, yo.
1: <laughs> me, anytime somebody tell you they, they depressed and they going through it, they got money because you got to fucking do drugs in order to be fully depressed. You got to right. have sex with prostitutes and, and, and drink, you know. right? right. You got to have like, tools to be depressed. Right, right. So I think that I open up on that, yo, the, the Tonight Show people, they called me at 6.30 in the morning. Right. They were like, yo, is this Moranzi? I was like, yeah. They said, uh, are you in town? I was like, yeah. Please say you want to do the Tonight Show. Like, they were joking, like, please say you want to do it tonight. And I was like, are you calling me to ask me do I want to do something that is a part of the dream that I want to come true? Right, Maybe. right. I was like, yeah, great. We just had the Stone Temple Pilots drop out and we need someone to feel it. Wow. Can you come tonight? And I was like,
2: uh, yes, bitch! <laughs>
1: the, the, only, the only issue I ever had with the Tonight Show was I wish they had given me a day's notice. Yeah. My goal was I wanted to fly my mom out Yeah. so she could get the audience to see it. Yeah. And they told me the day of, and I wasn't going to find a plane ticket to get my mom out to, to L.A. by 2 p.m., yeah, at six o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah, that was the only Jay. That was the only thing that made me be like, oh, yeah, gosh, that was dude. that's dope though, man. Because I
0: mean, it's there. I mean, it's it, the recording is there. It was a dope set. Um, I mean, Jay Leno,
1: dude. I'm sitting. In the Jay Leno came in the green. Room. He came in my dressing room, talking to me. Like, our bank accounts are not significantly. <laughs> He like, just you know, how's everything on oh, you. Good, yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing this, right? Yeah. Right. okay. Somebody right. told you to say that to me. Somebody right. told you to say it to me because you're not telling me thank you. You don't even know who I am, right? But he was a night, nice dude, one of, the ni- one of the nicest people I ever worked with in this or worked for, I guess, in this business. He was, he walked me through the walkthrough. When you get done, you got to come out here. You're gonna stand right here. You know and if you mess up, we'll start over. I was like, mess up? There's no, I'm coming back out and starting over. Nah, this ain't like the not, Apollo, not. man. <laughs> this is nice
0: I want to know what comedians had to start over. That's what I want to know. Like, yo,
1: I want to know who was like, yo, I ain't feeling it. Can I come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your time. Take your time. It's just only my fucking show. Yeah. So he walked me through it, introduced me to Ricky Miner. I think it was the, the guy who was in charge of the music at the time and. He just walked around, dude, and we just had regular conversation. He cursed and shit, like he and Jay Leno cursed, like him Bill Cosby cursed. It was like, ooh, Jay Leno cursed. This is edgy conversation right here. Right. Got off, walked me back to my room. He said it would be great. You'll have a great time. I get dressed, I come out, I perform. He invited me to sit down on the couch. We go to commercial. Like, I oh, don't thank my guests. Uh, so a Salon. Chris Angel, I am and I'm like nigga.
0: Yeah, that's major, could, man. You that's
1: know what, major. man? I could I can walk away from this business right now because I've done everything I've, I've done everything that theoretically someone who wants to do what I do is supposed to do. Yeah, I've done the late night, I've done the half hour, I've done the sitcom I've been in a movie. I've written on TV shows. You know, I've toured. I've been in a run, I've been in front of arenas, man. Like Russell Peters gets a crowd, dude. Crazy. And I'm, and, and, and it, and it, and, it, and it, I guess it's something in us. I'm not phased by standing in front of 3,800 people and talking. Cause that's what I get when I go on when I go on a tour with Russell. And 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 Daniel, it's like theaters filled with people listening to me talk, and I'm standing in front of them like, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to three thousand eight hundred people right now. This is fucking bananas. Yep, I'm on one right now. Your name is on a fucking jumbotron. Yep. Your face is on a jumbotron where everybody in this room is watching you. Like like Kanye say, it's hard to be humble when you're stunting on a jumbotron. <laughs> so yeah. you know what? People, if people knew that, it, 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 it's not even that your ego is just like, nigga, I'm a god amongst people. I am on a jumbotron speaking into a microphone, and they're going to give me some money when this is over. Yeah. How you gonna tell me? For jokes? Think... Right. For jokes now. For jokes. I'm not up here <laughs> talking about I'm not preaching. No. Nope. I'm not telling you how to fix your credit. I'm just entertaining you with jokes. How I'm gonna be normal after that? Help right. me understand.
0: Right. And I tell people all the time, like. They don't understand, but I always tell women, don't date us either. Don't date comedians, like, because that's not <laughs> – you're not going to get what you want. We're I a mean, fragile beast, you know what I mean, fragile being. And it's like, you know, our egos sometimes, like, cause us to mess a lot of things up, um, you know, when we it don't comes to – we don't, we don't we don't know how to share the stage. Nah, and it's – yeah, it's it's, it's it's difficult. I mean, I battle with my daughters. Like, my daughter like – da- I got one daughter, man. She's a fool. Like, she – She's always energy and just always right. trying to be seen and heard and and loud and I'm like, look, mama, I need you to calm down. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to parent right. Right. out of her. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 I'm right. Bring this down. But yeah, she, yeah. she, she got to right yeah. She 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 always doing way too much. You know what I mean? But it's like it's like one of those things, man. And I I feel like um, I I feel like your. Your writing style, and like I said, I, probably somebody's probably told you this before. It wouldn't surprise me tomorrow, uh, Maranzio, if something clicked, and then all of a sudden you' this guy, you' the guy, you' you the Mark Norman, you' the guy that everybody's in demand for. You got to be at every club. You don't have to worry about bookings, things like that. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened like that because the work has been put in. You look at a, you look at a, a, a Bill Burr or or like a. Just somebody that's in high demand right now, right? And you go, what have they done that's different than what I've done? And it's, it's not much difference. You understand what I'm
1: saying? Like, Bill, I, I mean, Bill is 51 now. Right. Bill didn't tape his first hour special until he was like late, like late 30s. Yeah. Early 40s. Right. And he just hammered out material. Yep. But it's like you make it late in life and you don't have no time to bullshit. You just got to fucking hit the road. You got to hit the ground running and try to get as much, try to gather as much money as you can because you don't know when this ride going to end. No, nope. My daughter's 21 years old.
2: hmm I'm
1: going to be honest. She don't give a fuck about what I do. Like when I say my daughter, I did the video that went viral on YouTube called Puffy is Poison. I saw that. That shit got millions of views. It's like YouTube, a new YouTube is new. Right. Nobody knew what YouTube was. Like, YouTube, what's that? Right. We was in a mall one day, shopping. And this girl came to me like, oh my god, you the guy from the Puffy is Poison video. You would think as a father, someone being impressed with you would make your child say, my dad is popular. Right. It ain't a machine small enough to measure the amount of fuck my daughter don't give <laughs> about what I do. Like when I say she don't give a dog? Performing and being somewhat famous or whatever to my daughter is like performing for Helen Keller. It don't matter what you do. She don't see it. She don't hear it. She don't give a fuck. Uh, when I a uh, fuck about my career, I would not, I was never ever a show and tell uh item. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm to like, take my day to school so people can see. Never. Wow. Never. Now my nieces yeah. love me. Right. Right. Nieces, lo- my son love me. Right. My daughter fucks not given that's crazy bro at, at all on no level
0: and see i mean i don't know maybe it's the personality maybe she take after her mother i don't know you know what i mean it's like you know my daughters i took my daughters to carowinds one weekend and we were out just walking around get ready to get on a ride and this guy stopped me and he goes you Jay Bliss, right? You the comedian. And I go, Yeah. And my daughter's eyes were just glazed over. And he's like, Man, I saw you in Columbia, man. Da-da-da-da-da. And I still remember the shirts. And I, I didn't even think you had twins. I thought that was a made-up story. I'm like, nah, man. Like, here's my daughter's right here. You know right. what I mean? And then they and then, like, he walked off. He said, like, I'm gonna go ahead and I I don't want to ruin your time or nothing, but I just saw you from across the park. So I came over to say what's up. Right. I said, All right, man. I said, I see you. My daughter has talked about that for the rest of the day. And oh, I was man. like, and I was just like. I said, yeah, mama. I said, you know, she's like, well, you know, how did he recognize you? I was like, well, I guess he just recognized me from my face. The next day, right. the next day we went to – no, I'm sorry. The, the Earlier that year, we went to a Charlotte Hornets game. Right. We had the Charlotte Hornets game, and the dude had my shirt on. And then he walk, I was walking down the aisle, and he had the shirt on. I said, yo, that's a dope shirt. This dude jumped up like, Yo! this is the dude I was talking about. And all his boys was like, <laughs> all his boys was like, what oh, you talking got the, the shirt. And then, and then they right, started out, right. taking pictures and everything. And people in the stands like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a comedian. It's like, oh, whatever. I, I, I never heard of you. I'm like, you don't validate me. Like, <laughs> like I, that I dude you. right there validates me. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't have
1: everybody. You know what I nah, mean? No. Nah. You can't make everybody laugh. You can't, you're not going to be a fan for everybody, but it's like, when I say it hurt, dog. Yeah. My, it, daughter not, my daughter not giving a fuck about what I do. Yeah. It's ain't nigga. But it's something it's something about it's something about
0: your kids that will that will make you feel that you just dad. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. Like at, at the end of the day, they don't care what you do. They just they care
1: about dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, I get that. That guy like it, that's cool. Am I getting Wendy's? <laughs> are you taking me to the movies <laughs> right. are you buying the shoes that you said you were going to fucking buy me yes yes if all of that is going to get done congratulations nigga on being noticed what yeah. the fuck right. Else? Right. run with it i don't give a fuck right. is it just gonna fuck up my bottom line right right right
0: that's that. That's pretty much what it is, man. And them girls will hurt your heart. girls will hurt your feelings more than anybody else, man. Man, a daughter? Yeah. See, I can't even oh. imagine mine being twenty-one. I mean, mine are twelve now, and um, I, I, I'm having a problem with just the body development alone. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm just like. <laughs> my,
1: daughter just gra- my daughter just graduated from college. That's dope. And, man, look. I was a parent young mm-hmm. at 21. My pull-out game wasn't strong at the time. <laughs> my pull-out game wasn't strong. Never mind. Uh, my pull-out game ain't never strong. Uh, I was a young dad, man, at 21. I shouldn't have been a father at
2: 21.
1: Yeah. I shouldn't have been a father, period, but it happened. Right. i know it's, it's fucked up to say but it's done i i i shouldn't have been a father because my father wasn't a father so i didn't have a blueprint right learn i'm learning as i go people don't have a people don't have a compassion or the empathy to understand that you may not know something that you are a part of because they just say look you 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 did it so apparently you know something about it it's like right
2: no, not really. right. no
1: i don't I pretend I do, but I don't. I'm still learning. So I shouldn't have been a dad early, but I was. And I was a dad. I was a kid having a kid. Yeah. But I was also a kid with a dream of wanting to go do something that I believed was meant for me to do. Right. How are you going to tell? I'm like Thanos, man. I can't. I can't ignore my destiny twice. You know, I'm out here trying to collect these stones. Yeah, so I can make, so I can take my fingers and snap my dead away.
0: That's something else we should have jumped into on this podcast, man. Because you, you're a comic book head, man. Uh, I was. I worked in to the comic book store for. Three years yeah i i i i uh, I grew up on comic books, like i said we I listen to your podcast, so I know you go in and out about stuff and, yeah. and you you more you got more knowledge of d c as well i don't technically have a lot of knowledge d c because I was a Marvel head
1: I so. only support d c because I love batman Batman right uh-huh yep batman is the batman is the best thing about d c mm-hmm. Superman is the worst thing about d c and everybody else is just in the way. DC has the worst villains of all time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, they have the, like, Batman has a nice rogue gallery. Right. Batman has a good rogue gallery. Spider-Man has a good rogue gallery. Spider-Man and Daredevil share the same villains, a little cross-pollinating. Right. You know, X-Men share villains with Avengers. Like, everybody's sharing villains for the most part, but Batman and Spider-Man have their own individual just villains, right? And they'll right. loan them out to somebody every now and then. Because right. when you see the Joker in a Wonder Woman comic book, you're like, "That's just dumb." They don't got to do that, right? <laughs> Those two shouldn't be in the same room together. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? I like Green Lantern when Jeff Johns wrote for it, right? But Green Lantern is a hard book to write for. Um, it's a hard book to write for. Uh Flash is a terrible character. It just is. Yeah. Reverse flash, impulse, super flash, not so flash. Like what stop it. Um Green Arrow, terrible.
0: Right. Fuck
1: Oliver Quinn. Fuck the arrow. Fuck that whole show. Cause if I bend your fucking arrow, what you gonna do? You, you and, that's, it, and that's that's what I'm saying. So like when I looked at when I was
0: growing up and I looked at DC, I was just like, nah, I just don't see that much things that interest me in D C. I mean, the thing—the first thing that interests me in Marvel was was Iron Man, and then like my my neighbor across the street taught me all about the X Men. Like that's when I my mind blew, my mind was blown up. I was like, "Yo, yeah. like they got what?" And you know, they started explaining everything, and then like the the uh, the team, uh, the new team, mutants, uh, and all of those guys came out, and it was like uh, yeah. one of those situations where all of those things. When I was younger, it just kept me out of trouble. I was living in Camden, New Jersey. Right. So like every week I would go to the comic book
1: store. You kept your...
0: Right. Got out of there, right? So <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's incredible
1: Like, like all of this was things. my this was my dude because right. this was a reflection of I guess you, you grow up angry because you misunderstood.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Like, you know, if you get bullied you don't know how to tell somebody being bullied. You try to figure it out yourself. Right. You, know, if you tell somebody you're getting bullied, you get labeled a tattletale or you're weak for talking about it. Right. So you're walking around fucking with all this pent up anger. Right. You know, my parents going through a divorce and shit and, you know, a lot going on. You don't know who to talk to about it. Black people don't believe in therapy. They, they believe in going to church. Nah. Just stay, stick with right you know,
0: pray, pray about it and go to sleep, go lay down, you know, stuff like that. So people
1: tell me you need to go to church. Bitch, God made therapists. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think he's I, not available. Yeah, another, another thing,
0: I remember I had to explain this to um, my kids when I went and took, the, took them to see Avengers about the Hawk. And then she was like, Well, I don't like how they did the Hawk at the last two episodes. Like, I know, I mean, they did them wrong. I said, But what you got to realize is she was those, you know, the Hawk turned and uh, was going against, uh, going after uh, Black Widow. And I was like, Well, he, he didn't turn on his own ability. Like, he got uh, made angry, and when he does that, he can't control himself as the Hulk. I said, when he changes himself, he's able to control that. He can talk and all those other things. He's not raging. I was like, the other thing the movie didn't show you is when the Hulk gets mad and angry, he just gets stronger and bigger. So he can actually get bigger than what he was in the movie. And she was like, well, can he be beaten? I'm like, the Hulk won't stop. I was like, so he's just going to continue to go. He's just going to get bigger, madder, and angrier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you, know what I'm saying? You, don't, you don't stop rage. Right. Yeah, that's what I was saying, yeah. So And so they were like, oh, now I get it. I go, yeah. I was like, so when he when he turns himself, he can talk. He can understand all of those things. I said, like, when he, somebody turn him, he'll listen to no reason. Everybody getting hurt. So then they were kind of understanding it then. And they were like, Daddy, how you know all this stuff? And I was like, I grew up with reading. Do you want to do? Do, do an episode,
1: another episode uh, where we just discuss comic books? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm down can, with that. I can, talk, I can talk comic book. Listen, I could talk basketball, comic books, and sci fi all day long.
0: What I'll do, I'll, I'll put it like this. What I'm gonna do is because this was almost two hours, I will not never go this long on my podcast. So, I we been for two hours? almost, yeah. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do this one, and then I'm gonna bring you back on uh, at the beginning of August. Yeah, because we ain't got shit to do. We're going to do the beginning of August. And before I get you off of here, this is what I always do at my podcast is, uh, you ever watched the Actors uh, Guild Studio with James Lipton?
1: Yes, rest in peace, James Lipton.
0: Yes, so I do James Lipton questions, but I remix them a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and fire these off to you, and then we'll get out of here with those, all right?
1: You, 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 want, you want honesty or you
0: want me to lie to you? 100% honesty, man. That's what we do. is is ignorant. So whatever you say, if it's, if it's uncomfortable, it's just uncomfortable. <laughs> Remember, you um, have yeah, what's your favorite word? Bitch. Okay. Your least favorite word? No. No, that's a good one. Um, my my slogan I use on stage is TTBS. That's that bullshit. Anything and everything. Absolutely no control over in your life. So in your mind, in your world, what's that? That bullshit to you?
1: The politics of our business.
0: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, the on the politics. opposite, yeah. On oh, the opposite end of that, uh, what's the shit to you?
1: The shit to me is when you yourself come up with something and you are able to execute it the way you want to on your terms. Yeah. And how, however it turns out is however it turns out. Like, right. whatever you want for yourself will only be as great as the energy you put into it. Right, okay, you know, what's up, yep, got you. All right, so if nobody knew who you were,
0: you was introducing yourself to these people or the world in itself. What's your walk on music?
1: <laughs> ah, man.
0: Oh man. We're gonna do music too. We're gonna talk about that in our next point by high ass too. Cause I know hip hop oh. is yeah, we're gonna do that too.
1: Uh, it depends on what mood... man, uh
0: just Moronzo Vance, ladies and gentlemen, and bam! Here they, that's the music they're hitting right there.
1: Triumph. Oh
0: yeah, yes, we gonna talk. We, we, definitely, we definitely gonna talk. We definitely gonna talk. Yo, let me tell you. Let me this sidebar, 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 because we gotta have this conversation. Triumph. Let let's let's talk for one second. All right. So if I took if I took those verses in Triumph. Because mm. we could rearrange those verses if we want.
1: atomically.
0: Oh, my God. If we rearrange those verses, because I say, the last time I had a comedian talk about Triumph on his podcast, just organically, somebody brought up Triumph. They were like, you can take Deck, you can take Meth, you can take Ray, you can take Ghost, and you can take everybody else off. And I was like, yeah, I disagree. I <laughs> say, because I felt like I love the Rizzo's verse on that
1: track and you need, you need him for that obama tom McLean. right you need, you need that you that starts the shit off like right that's right the,
0: that's that is that was the boat that was one of the dopest like inspector deck ripped that one so viciously oh, I, I when when i hear about the, them doing that song and them having to go back and rewrite some of their verses because after they heard deck's verse they was like oh
1: yo we starting with that one you know what i mean <laughs> You know what's so crazy about Triumph is, it tricks you into believing that every one of the motherfuckers deserve a solo album,
2: and they don't.
1: And they don't. They don't because you guys didn't need a solo album. That's still
0: what, what I will definitely say is before. I like Tri- I like Dick. I do like Deck with
1: uh, Zara Face though.
0: Yes. Yes. So with so Zara here's face. the thing. Yes. So here's the thing. Before Triumph came out, my ultimate collabo song was Symphony. I love that as a collabo yeah. song, yes. But when Triumph came out, I was like, yeah. I was like, this right here now, to me, as far as collabos, that many people on one track, I'll say Triumph is number one. Symphony is number two for me.
1: You know one want one of the best collabo songs ever?
0: Scenario is in there, too. But what else?
1: Spontaneous. Spontaneous? Spontaneous is on Leaders of the New School's second yes. album. Yeah. Time. Yes. Yes. Thirteen MCs on that one song. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that track. Um,
0: but I still, I, think, that I still think scenario one and two, to me, it's is still. There. Oh yeah. my god! The Scenari- remix.
1: Scenario remix is one of them songs where you be like, "Y'all, I'm gonna get out of here, y'all." And the music be playing. Like, Let me get out of here here in <laughs> night. I'm gonna, one more song. I'm staying, I'm sticking around. Man. Here in 192. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the scenario remix? Where well, <laughs> yeah. you have seven MCs, six MC, yeah. one, one is spiritual spiritual Essence,
0: Essence, yeah. By spiritual name of Who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was dope. That was dope. All right. All right. So the next question is um, what's your walk out music at the end of this life?
1: What more can I say?
0: There you go. Yeah, that's a dope one. That's a dope one. What what more uh,
1: can I say?
0: Yeah. And then the profession other than your own, which you would like to attempt if you Uh, had an opportunity? What is it?
1: Archaeologist.
0: Archaeologist. Was that something in high school or what? Just
1: huge. I'm a huge, huge, huge Indiana Jones fan. Yeah. Huge Indiana Jones fan. And I like to travel. And I like to do photography, and I like to write. And yeah. all of that encompasses travel, photography, and writing. Because I'm writing about what I'm seeing. I'm taking pictures of what I'm um, discovering. I'm going to new areas. I'm going to different territories. I'm, I'm traveling in, in circles of people who don't allow access to the outside world. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm finding buried treasure. I'm, I'm learning about mythical creatures that may or may not exist uh civilizations and cultures that no longer walk among amongst us like right. that's always the thing for me you know how hard it is to tell a black family you want to be an archaeologist <laughs> <laughs> they like spell that first of all
0: yeah, Second first of all, of all you
1: spell what you want to be i'm like right. well, you know what yeah. You gonna go where? Mama, you are not going overseas. You know they got diseases over there. Like they got diseases in St. Louis. What are you talking about? Right, right, right. So yeah, ar- archaeologists, man. That's Big dope, one. bro.
0: That's dope. Yo, man, it's been a pleasure, man. What I'm gonna do? Um, I'm a August. You are gonna be the first episode we're gonna do in August, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna map out what we're gonna talk about. So we're only gonna, gonna cover those uh, those topics.
1: Let's do it. All
0: right, later.